Warning. This podcast will contain spoilers from whatever TV show or movie is mentioned. Please listen at your own discretion. Welcome to Viewers Anonymous. Yo, what's going on? I am Scoots Bronson. And I am S. Foster. This is the Viewers Anonymous Podcast. What's up with you, brother? Man, I can't call it, man. You know, just a uh another day in the lab, man. Uh I I've been I've been doing I've been doing some research and stuff lately, man. I'm glad I'm glad that I found out the things that I found out, man. So this is gonna be a, a very interesting episode, man. But how you feeling? Man, I'm feeling good, feeling great, man. Ready to get this uh, episode on the road, man. Um, finally, finally seen a couple movies I've been wanting to see, and you know what I'm saying, been checking out some other stuff. But you know what I'm saying, I'm excited about what we got coming up, man. Definitely, man. Definitely, man. So you gonna you gonna do the honors, man, of of, of introducing this legend? Oh, of course, of course, man. Um. This man is the, the godfather of black cinema, man. He um he's the reason that Hollywood is what it is today. He uh he did a lot to help out Hollywood, especially during the time that the black exploitation films came out, because um around that time Hollywood was almost in bankruptcy. It almost was about to end. Black exploitation films came out and because of uh some of the movies that he shot. Uh, black exploitation was able to kind of use his uh, framework as a blueprint and um, create a, a totally new genre that uh, kind of, you know what I'm saying, put the money in the pockets of the, you know what I'm saying, the fat cats in, um, <laughs> in LA, man. Also, man, um, it's, it's very, it's very, similar to the way that you know what I'm saying we did the blade episode but it's fairly fairly similar to the way that blade kind of you know what I'm saying upstarted marvel you know what I'm saying on their way mm-hmm. when they were almost on their way out um but you know what I'm saying this man is um a father to one of the most um almost interesting dudes you know what I'm saying uh in film and Mario Van Peoples you know what I'm saying? Dude is he's famous, but he's not like like A-list celebrity famous. Like everybody knows who Mario Van Peebles is. Yeah. But nobody can tell you how they know him. Besides like the movie part. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. But um without further ado, man, we're talking about the um the late great Melvin Van Peebles, man. Um real quick, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Um in 1932, he eventually um, eventually moved to the Netherlands in his late 20s. Um, he became a, excuse me, um, he became an author. And then um, moving to the Netherlands, changed his last name, added the van to his last name. Um, and then he would sooner or later become a filmmaker, making various um short films and also writing even more books but in french which is a very interesting fact that i found out i didn't know my man wrote a french book 
But um, uh, he wrote more than one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I didn't know that. So um, he he then created all these very uh various short films, and then eventually he ended up creating his first American feature film with the Watermelon Man. And if you don't know what the Watermelon Man is, it is about a white man who um who is I mean it's a black man who's tired of being a black man. He wants to, you know what I'm saying, get the good life of the white man and his wish comes true. And then he realizes, you know what I'm saying, don't always uh think that the grass is greener on the other side. Great movie. I thought people should go check it out. The, the, now the now I've been watching a lot of interviews on mm-hmm. Melvin on the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And from the way now I haven't seen The Watermelon Man. You never seen um, it? I think I seen clips of it from from I was watching this basically like, it was like this documentary thing that I was yeah. watching. And uh from my interpretation what they were saying it was the opposite of where he was white and then Yeah, I, I might have it mixed up. Toilet, I think it's I think it's the white like, man who ended up being a black man. Yeah, yeah, he ended okay. up being a black man. Yeah. And and what was interesting about that was when they was talking to him about so when he was having like production meetings and shit like that, because what they was going to do was they was going to use a white actor yeah. for that part and yeah. just have him in blackface. And then he was like, nah, he was like, nah, we ain't around. doing that. Now what, they, now what they did do, they did present the idea of having a white person play because it seems like he's only white for a little bit of the movie. Yeah. Like he's not really, it's like you know what I mean? Yeah. So then they're like, so Melvin was just like, yo, well, why don't we just we just do the reverse? We just have him have a black actor mm-hmm. and have him be a white man. Yo, and he looked and then, crazy. Yeah, but it was good makeup <laughs> for that time, though. It was, but he looked crazy, but, bro. Yeah, he looked mad crazy. And for a film like that, man, to come out when it came out, like mm-hmm. back in 1970, and yeah. to do the reverse and have a, a black man in white face, yo, mm-hmm. genius. I mean, completely genius. But yeah. but Melvin is a genius. So so to 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 piggyback off what you were saying, mm-hmm. so he went he went to the Netherlands, yep. and so he also was going back and forth to France stuff like that, and he wanted a he wanted a director's card because in France, or at least overseas in Europe, you had to have a direct uh, a director's card to do films because he wanted to do films. Mm-hmm. So he said that he began being a journalist, and he said he had it took him like it was either seven or nine years mm-hmm. to learn French to the point where he wrote like a few novels, yeah, and a journalist in French. So he was like, okay. So now I've written a few novels in the French language. So mm-hmm. now can I get my director's card? So they finally gave him a director's card after being published in the paper and also being published in books. And then he come up with the concept of doing this short film called The Story of Three pa- uh, Three Day Pass. Yeah. And dude, this was it was a black man and a white woman lead. Like they was in an interracial relationship, my guy. Mm-hmm. In nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, it was also like, in France, though. 
Yeah, yeah. And then also was in French. So, so it was pretty cool at that time in French. Yeah. So it it was like to to learn those things about him. But then it's the crazy part. So when he got word that they was gonna show the film in French, right? So he's in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. You wanna know how he got to France, my guy? Yeah. He hitchhiked all the way there. No shit. Hitchhiked all the way from Amsterdam to France. So he's he, he gets there, and so they watched the films, and he was like, they loved them. Mm-hmm. So he's like, man, they. He said, my face is soaking wet with kisses, and they giving me hugs and all this shit, and then they just left. Yeah. He said he didn't get no no deal, no nothing. He just said they loved the film, right. but like nothing really happened from him. So like he's he's a very interesting character, man. I found out that this dude was in the Air Force. This dude mm-hmm. knew how to fly planes. Like Melvin, and then he's a very resilient person to be able to do the things that he did and to just take it upon himself to be like, you know what? I'm not gonna ask for nobody's help. Like it, and then also he's like, if y'all not gonna let me do things the way that I wanna do them. I just do it myself. Mm-hmm. And the perfect example, the the mm-hmm. like the perfect example is the movie that he gets to I think was his biggest movie was Sweet Sweet Back Badass Song. Oh yeah. So the whole story with that movie was he was so he wanted to do the film. So he pulled a a Nate Parker back in 1971. Like mm-hmm. he was getting money from friends, all type of shit like this because he wanted the movie to be the way he wanted it to be done. But then at the same time, he was like, I'm a difficult person. So he was like, usually when I tell somebody what I want, the way that I say it, he said, I might rub them the wrong way. He was like, so I have a lot of people like leave the set. So my man did, he wrote Sweet Sweet Back. He directed, he produced it. And he also produced the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Not only did he produce the soundtrack, but the soundtrack is actually opera. Yeah. And it's like to sit back and think of the talents that this dude have and to also be able to just be like, I'm not going to let the industry hold me back. And then the the most impressive thing about sweet sweet back badass song was there they're really a lot like the whole fact that he put at the bottom of it it says like it was rated x mm-hmm. right and the reason it was rated x was because when he took it to the mp or aa they denied the movie yeah so because they denied it he can't get a rating so he ended up getting a rating x because they didn't they didn't take the movie. So he was mm-hmm. like at the bottom it says rated X by all white jury. Right? Yeah. Because the people that work for the MPAA were all white. Right. So like to hear that backstory and then to also this film only opened up in two theaters in Detroit mm-hmm. and Atlanta. That was it. And do you still know that this was the highest grossing? Maybe it been surpassed in the last couple of years, but I know mm-hmm. at least up to 1995, this was the highest grossing independent film of all time. Yeah, man, and guess who gave him a loan to keep it going and, and finish it up? 
Who we got? One William H. Cosby. Well, yeah. He did. He I remember him mentioning him giving yeah. him some money. He was one and of the Cosby people that helped him uh helped him, you know what I'm saying, get get the capital to finish it up. Like that's like that is crazy, man. And, so and that's how him you know to, he was doing some good work, man. Yeah, like he look, I'm not gonna sit back and say that he didn't. And and, mm-hmm. and if it wasn't for Bill Bill, he for number one, he changed TV. He he was the first lead black character in I Spy. First, first black man on TV as a lead, yeah, right. Yeah. And I spy. So like I'm not gonna sit here and shortchange him. Like I'm just saying that I was just never a huge Cosby show person. Mm-hmm. Like when it was on, I, I you know I fucked with it, but like it wasn't like oh eight o'clock and come on, I gotta watch Cosby show. Like I wasn't like that. Well, to me, it was it, he. It's it's more than just a Cosby show. Like I know we give that a lot of credit in Crash because you know what I'm saying of, of his impact and what it did. And you know what I'm saying for the longest time, it was one of the like it, it was the biggest show on NBC, um, for years actually. Yeah, but. You know what I'm saying? You got to remember, like, he has so many more, you know what I'm saying, um, so much more, you know what I'm saying, impact outside of just television. He also had film, you know what I'm saying? He had movies. He did stand-up comedy. Um, he did boatloads of philanthropy. And then, you know what I'm saying, even things for children, man, like, you know what I'm saying, the Fat Albert cartoon. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the most iconic cartoons in, in, in television history. So he's he's done a lot. So for him to, you know what I'm saying, back Melvin Van Peebles with that, you know what I'm saying, to finish the film, it was amazing. And then you know the film was good because it was getting acclaimed by the Black Panthers because of the social commentary on it. So mm-hmm. you know he was doing something right. Yeah, and they also didn't like the title. But he fought for that. He was like, "I'm not, I'm not taking, I'm not taking right. badass song out of the title." He was like, "That's that's what I wanted to be," and like just to know that this dude did everything, even down to the music for the soundtrack. And he he is a very very impressive dude, man. Like, and did you know Shaft was written for a white man? Mm-mm. Yeah, Shaft was originally a white dude. But mm. him and um, oh man, who was the uh, who was the other director for that movie? Um, oh man, I forget what my man name is. Got the uh, got the got the perm and the mustache. I forget what his name is. But like going into it, like yeah, Shaft Shaft was a white guy, and mm. so Melvin had some say so in them switching Shaft into a black man. Right, and, and he was like, "What black exploitation film?" Yeah, and he was like, "What makes he was like what makes Shaft so great was the fact of he was he was basically doing his job like he he could fit basically he could fit in rooms with white people, but he also mm-hmm. was basically a hood legend. Like everybody knew who he was in the hood. Basically, like he could yeah. go to the hood and be himself, and he also can go around white people and be himself as well." Yo, can and you like, imagine? I don't mean because y'all, bro, but I just thought about this. Can you imagine if John Shaft was a white man in the ghettos of America during the seventies, <laughs> asking questions, trying to get information? Hey, in a in a leather black leather jacket. Man, who is this jive ass cracker asking us all these <laughs> questions, Jack? 
Man, that hey, that I tell, I don't know. I would like to see that. I think that hey. if they can if they can redo that and come up with like the the, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> reverse I mean reverse shaft, oh that would be hilarious. Hey, but that was funny. But like I didn't but I didn't know that. I didn't know that Shaft was yeah. uh origin, originally a white guy. But like Melvin man, like for for what he did and, and his impact on just I'm not gonna I'm not and then like I watched the interview with him and Mario mm-hmm. and Mario was saying the one thing about my dad is with the, all this time all the obstacles obstacles that he had to face he never showed resentment he was just yeah. like he was like yeah they could like they can hold me down they can sit there they cannot play my movie because like can you imagine 1971, dude. Like, they only showing your movie in two theaters, and the word of mouth for this movie is so hard. Like, you got to think, Detroit and Atlanta. Like, dude, you still got L.A. over here, New York over here. (laughs) Two blackest cities in America. Two blackest cities, and for the word to travel to the point where it's the highest grossing Mm -hmm. film. Mm-hmm. You know, independent film. Like, like I say, I would have to look at. I don't know. And the reason I say ninety five is because I watched the interview with uh, Melvin and Mario when they was promoting Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, and Melvin was saying at that time, this is the highest grossing independent film of all time. So that's mm-hmm. why I say I don't know after what happened after ninety five, right. but like to only be in two theaters, I don't think people understand how impressive that is to be in two theaters. Dude, there are two theaters in one zip code. Like, yeah, but you, talk- but at the time, you got to remember too. Like a lot of those, um, a lot of those black exploitation films were indie films. They weren't backed by like major, uh, you know, what I'm saying like major film houses. Yeah. So, but Walter Miller Man was though. That was yeah, done by Warner. For sure. But I'm saying, like, for the most part, a lot of black films and a lot of films in general were, um, well, a lot of black films ended up having to be indie films. So, like, a lot of yeah. the, you know, sitting those great black exploitation films that we are used to seeing are, yeah, they, for sure, 100% independent. Um, but a lot of the movies that came out around that time were backed by film houses because you got to remember, like, 19 i want to say it's 1929 is the first time film is ever shown in america like so you know what i'm saying you gotta think it's only been what 50 years 50 40 years around that time so it it hasn't been the fact that you know so like film hasn't been out long enough to even really you know i'm saying get that much attention like the first film well i'm not sure if anybody knows but the first film ever made was um Birth of a Nation. And well, I don't know, I don't want to say made, but the first film ever shown was Birth of a Nation. It was shown in the White House. Um, and that's you know what I'm saying, the beginning of the film industry. That's when Hollywood start popping out. But um so from and not don't quote me on nineteen twenty nine because it could be before that, but I want to say it was the nineteen twenties. But from 1920 to what 1957? Is that what you said? Or 75? Well, I'm sorry. Well, he did. We talking about 
Sweetback or are you talking about? I'm talking about Sweetback. Well, he said in 95 that it was the highest grossing film. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, you got to yeah. think about that. Like, everything from then on is usually, you know what I'm saying, it was usually backed by a major film thing, I mean, major film house. So, for him to take that and bring it to two cities is, first and foremost, is very uncommon because you don't see independent films like that around that time. Because that was, mm-hmm. like I said, that was like the start of, you know what I'm saying, that ex- uh, black exploitation era. And then for him to, like you said, end up creating the, the most the highest grossing film you know what i'm saying like that's that's big stuff it's very it's very big stuff and i mean but also we got to give him more credit like i mean look dude 1970 mm-hmm. like how, how how do i'm trying i, I wish i could have been sitting in a room when melvin van people was talking to the people in Warner Brothers after they saw the movie and still released it. Like Warner Brothers releasing a movie like Warner Miller Man? Like I don't dude, think it's I don't think that's a shocking thing in that time. I I, I do because this is before Sweetback. I know what I'm saying. I don't I don't think it's it's a shocking thing. You gotta remember, man, like this is like I said, it's only fifty like first off, black people just got all of their rights in sixty four. So 14 years later to see a movie like this is not shocking. Like race is still a hot topic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like race is a, is a huge topic. So, I mean, to see something like that, it's not really shocking. I feel, I feel like for, for what, for what, for what the movie stands for and like some of the jokes that was in it, mm-hmm. it was just like, and then to have like, like they showed a clip of, when he was sitting at the table and he was all black at this point mm-hmm. and, the, and the kids was like, it's like, dad, like if you, you know, you've been out in the sun too long, you know, yeah. like, like, at, like, like with these, with these race jokes, like talking, and it's just, I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking like, now look, I don't know what Warner Brothers was putting out before this point, but I just felt like this was the first, at least black director that they've had put out a movie under the umbrella of Warner Brothers. So Yo, Warner Brothers is sketchy, my G. Like you- super sketchy, my G. Like <laughs> nigga, they got uh like they got old ass cartoons of like Daffy Duck being in like a Nazi uniform, like all kind of wild ass shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I'm I'm dead ass no, shit. They got no, like no, yeah. they got they got full cartoons in German where this nigga is in a Nazi uniform. Like, yo, Water Brothers is sketchy than the motherfucker. Um, listen, and that, that's, that's why that's why I'm, I'm saying like it's not shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, from that point of view, I I can see what you're saying. Like, that could go to both extremes, but then Have at you- the same time. No, I was gonna no. say, have you ever watched the Animaniacs? Back in the day, yeah, okay. when I was a kid. So yeah. it's on it's on Hulu now. Go back and watch Animaniacs now, and just just watch all the sketchy shit that used to be in them, bro. I'm <laughs> telling you, Wonder Brothers is wild, bro. Man, yo, listen, all these people was wild, man. Like yeah. I remember when when they was first did a Disney Plus joint, and they was talking about how. There would be like a discretion thing at the beginning, or there was some shit that they took out because of of pressure from from the media. Because mm-hmm. at the time, everything was being canceled. Yep. So, um, 
when Disney Plus became a thing, they had to put little warning labels on some of the shit. Like, yeah, it can in have front of like Nicki Minaj cartoons and shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like, yeah, like yeah, definitely, man. But, Nigga, they sketchy too. They got a they got a couple of them joints where um where Donald Duck was also you know what I'm saying rocking a rocking a Nazi attire, rocking the Hugo Boss. But like, I mean, can we really be surprised? Because you know, I remember hearing I mean, somebody. I, I remember somebody making a point, and I, you know, matter of fact, it was Andrew. It was Andrew mm-hmm. Schultz. He was making a point of like, for the times. Let's let's say we're talking about the twenties, right? Mm-hmm. So he was like, if this was a way of life, can we really call them racist? And I was just like, now I know sometimes like Andrew be trying to do stuff to give like a good, you know what I'm saying? Like, a, like they create good he's really good. He's really good at, at doing um, devil's advocate. He's really yeah, good at it. For sure. For sure. But like at the same time, it's like, if these are the times and if, Especially if we're talking about the 40s, you know what I'm saying? Because you got the war going on and all this type shit. Like to put that uniform in, you know, any time between, you know, 1940, 1945, it's popular at that point. So, like, is it really like I mean, do you think it's really that shocking? I'm not shocked at Walt Disney. Not at all. That nigga, I knew that nigga was a Nazi. <laughs> That's why I said he had he had Donald Duck in the finest Hugo Boss. True, this is true. But you know, but it, but then at the same time, like if we're talking about Walter Miller, man, like this was the first American film that he did, mm-hmm. so he was able to to get a movie done with Warner Brothers after coming back. From, from France after doing a couple of short films and a film over there. and But they said that that film was, was very successful, that one uh, the three-day pass joint mm-hmm. they did over there. They said it was pretty successful. And it was also, um, you know, race brought up in that. You know, yeah. but like they showed a scene where uh, the black dude was with his white girlfriend at the beach and like these three dude, white dudes came over and like they was kind of you know, you okay type of joint, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So but he he never he never shot away from that man. Like he he always he he was just one of those dudes who was unapologetically black. But at the same time, he did shit that made sense. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't like he he wouldn't do like he also did things like like this is gonna make me money. Like it, it wouldn't be like an all like black cast. It wouldn't be like an all black people behind the film or behind the cameras and shit like that. Like he did shit that makes sense. Because at the end of the day, to get in some of these rooms that he had to get in and to also have that independent state of mind and also bringing in Mario so early. Mario was in uh, Sweetback mm-hmm. as a kid. So Mario been been acting for a very forever. long time. Yeah, for a very long time. And for him to pick up a lot of the things, like he seemed to be the most similar to his dad. And, mm-hmm. and it probably was because they had something in common with both of them having the the, the same the same visions because I remember Mario being asked what made him go behind the camera instead of acting. And he was like, well the thing is when you're an actor, he was like, all you really do is you know read the script. There's really yeah. nothing that you could do. But he was like, well if you're directing, you can create the vision 
for the mm-hmm. movie. You can create the the way that the character the uh, the the character is. You can you can get involved in the casting. Like if it's something like, you know, he might do a movie, you know, but it might be only two other black people. You yeah. know, what I'm saying like if I'm the director, I could change I can, all that. I could change all that exactly. Mm-hmm. But then he also talked about how you know his first movie being New Jack City, he was like every project that he was given was New Jack City of Jace. He was like, no, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to do that. Like, like, yeah, like that movie was successful. I'm glad mm-hmm. of what I did, but but also at that time, New Jack City coming out in 91, 92. You also gotta think Boys in the Hood. New um, Jersey Drive. New Jersey Drive, uh Fresh, like all this shit. Like mm-hmm. there was a run of those type movies. Yeah. And I guarantee you if Mario would have just had that simple mindset, he probably would have did all those movies. But he was like, no, I don't want to yep. stay in that lane. He was like, no, I want to do other things. But he was like, they gave him a lot of opportunities. But like, what Melvin also did, he did the John David Washington and Denzel Washington thing before anybody did. Mm-hmm. He didn't give Mario anything. Not at all. He didn't give him anything. He was like, no, you got to do this shit yourself. So Mario was like, I had to go to Columbia. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. to go to school. He was like, because my dad didn't didn't give me anything. He was like, because at the end of the day, you're gonna have to work for it. Mm-hmm. And so Mario getting where he is, he got that foundation from his dad because his dad was like, yo, I wanna I wanna do a movie like Sweetback, mm-hmm. and I wanna do it my way. So I'm gonna get the funding myself, and I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the soundtrack myself. Like, how many people do you do? How many directors? do everything where they write the movie direct the movie produce the movie and produce the soundtrack who else is doing that other than spike Spike, yeah spike lee bro or i would say maybe tarantino on a couple of them but he now he ain't doing all of that but he doing some of it you know yeah he's doing some of it but also i think tarantino has a a hand in the music because like Mm -hmm. his movies always have like these like he, at the end of the day, he have good mo- not movie, but music selection. And he got a lot of eclectic music taste. Yeah, and and but it fits the movie yeah. that he's doing though. It's yeah. never out of place. Like, like he's he's really he's really good at that. But like Melvin, man, like for him to do with it, I didn't even know. He, did you know he was the editor of Boomerang? Mm-mm. I had no idea. He edited the movie. I mean, well, that's why that explains why it's such a classic. Man, I'm telling you, man, this dude, this dude is listen, man. I mean, listen for him to for him to do everything that he was doing in film, and then to go to Broadway, right in '71 to '72, do two shows and get seven Emmy nominations. I mean, seven Emmy nominations, seven Tony nominations, and then the the next show get an extra nomination. Like two shows and get eight nominations off the back like that, and then after your first show, they they so hype about you that the next one they let you produce it and direct it. That's that's big. And then in seventy seven, this is one I gotta go look up because I did not know this. Um, he was a screenwriter on the film Grease Lightning, but originally he was the director. 
Mm-hmm. Never knew that. Now I've heard about this film Green's Lightning a long uh, for a long time. It's about uh Wendell Scott, who's the first black NASCAR driver. But I didn't know that he had a hand in that. So I mean that's that just lets you know um just how much work he's been putting in. Man, listen, you are not kidding, man. Like he and but then like oh come on man, I gotta bring this back. This dude learned a whole nother language, wrote novels in a whole nother language just to get in the door of getting a director's card. Because I think once you got one, it didn't matter which country you was in. This is like you just had to have one. And for him to. It's hard enough trying to learn. Spanish. To even have a conversation in Spanish or French or whatever, but to write a whole novel in another language in the fifties and sixties, mm-hmm. I don't think people understand how difficult that is. Like he, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I I'm glad that we're doing this because I'm pretty sure that some of this information that we are saying. Is, is news to a lot of people as well. But like, but what I was able to pick up, man, the last couple of days on the things that he was doing and the impact that he had and the people that he affected, because, you know, he affected a person like a Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. Like, there wouldn't really be a Spike Lee without a Melvin Van Peebles. And for his offspring to be just as good, well, one of his offspring to be just as good as as he is and and to have pretty much a lot of the same visions that he had like i I was watching an interview and they asked have they ever like do they ever have with them both being strong-minded the way that they are he was like have y'all ever butt heads on like when y'all do a film together and because they did panther together and he was like Mm -hmm. nah he was like you know we, we put our heads together and be like he had an idea of this one thing. I had an idea of this other thing, and we was able to compromise and use both. So, like, and to also to do a film like Panther. Now, Panther, out of like that was that's probably my the, my favorite um, mm-hmm. movie that he's been involved with. Yeah, and um. And they also show the uh, I hate because I forget that dude's name, but they 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 play out the shootout in front of that uh, in front of that one building where where Eld- Eldridge Cleaver told the the fifteen year old boy to get but you know to get completely mm-hmm. naked so they don't shoot you. Yeah, 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 they they played that out, you know, in the movie, and he but he also had a lot of other things like he was one of the people who spoke. And it was uh, Bobby Hutton. I'm sorry, Bobby Hutton. Bobby Hutton. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, but he also, like, he got credited for it, but that's only because he um, he was one of the people that you know how they have like people interviewing for like a documentary. Mm-hmm. He uh, he was one of the people who spoke on the Black Panther uh, mixtape. Uh, mm-hmm. Nineteen was it? Nineteen sixty seven, nineteen seventy five. Yeah. So he was one of the people who who spoke on that as well, but that was done by a whole Swedish uh, Swedish crew, like dudes that came mm-hmm. from Swedish came over here and did a whole documentary on on the Black Panthers. And Melvin Van Peebles was uh, one of the people who spoke in that. But yeah. 
Yeah, Panther was one one of my favorites, man. Um, I just think the way that it was done, I think that that was a story that needed to be told because the perception of the Black Panthers have always been shown in a negative light. And for them to do this movie, but like I say, at this time, in that, in that mid-90s, like, well, really, if you really think about it, we have to credit somebody like Eddie Murphy as well. Mm-hmm. Because when Eddie Murphy popped up on 48 Hours, and that was another movie, that character was supposed to be a white person. But I forgot how Eddie was able to sneak through the cracks. You know, he was having his run on SNL, mm-hmm. and, you know, he did the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Delirious came out before 48 Hours. Or it might have come after. But anyway, what I'm saying is he was like one of those like modern day black leads where it was like, oh shit, maybe we can get, you know what I'm saying, a black lead, you know, in this time. And like that kind of and then John Singleton doing his thing in ninety one with Boys in the Hood. So you had a lot of those because it was kind of like you had the black exploitation films in the seventies and shit, right? So mm-hmm. then it kind of it kind of fall off a little bit again. But then this black resurgence came back in the 90s. So that was the perfect time for them to do that Panther movie. Mm-hmm. But I think the way that they did it and the story that they told, the stories that they told in that movie, that that is one of my, well, that is my favorite movie that's involving Melvin Van Peebles, man. And Mario was also uh, a director in that as well. So you got to give him credit as well. But like, Yo, you know he was, I, in, <laughs> he was in Jaws the Revenge? Yeah, he was in Jaws, yeah. This was in Jaws. He was on Living Single. He was in the Shining TV series. This nigga's oh, he was in Fist of the North. Now that I didn't know. I didn't know he was in Fist of the North Star. That's crazy. Man, listen. This dude, this dude, man, he he is he is definitely he is definitely something else, man. And, My man and we was don't a musician and everything, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This dude did a whole soundtrack, man, and and in um or orchestra. Like that's just he also was a writer in one of the songs that they used in uh in the Tony Awards in 1972. Mm-hmm. So Melvin. To, to think of someone, I mean, just look at just like accomplishments like this. Like, you know the saying, you can either a master of one and be a master. Like, you can be, a, him to you be, can be a jack of all trade, master of none. Yeah. For this dude to be able to be in the Air Force and fly a plane. Mm-hmm. To be able to learn a whole nother language and write novels in a whole nother language, direct a movie in French, come over here and do a direct a movie for Warner Brothers in the Watermelon Man, his first American movie, to be able to fund and start an independent film to where that film would be the the highest rated independent film of all time, to be able to do, mm-hmm. like, dude, you know what that sounds like? 
Melvin Van Peebles, Peebles mm-hmm. is the real life Black Forest Gump, dude. Facts. That's who he's he is. The, yeah, he the he the Forrest Gump of Hollywood. He he's well, the, and, well, the entertainment industry. Yeah, in the entertainment industry, like just to be able to do the things that he man to do with the war, dude. Like, yeah, like that nigga was on Broadway. That nigga's in Hollywood. He did music, wrote books. <laughs> did like, art. He was an artist too. See what I'm saying? Yo, yeah, he got a he got a famous painting um, called A Ghetto Mother's Prayer. This dude is a genius, man. Yeah, man, he's the he is, a, he is he's the man. Like and and I, and I'm glad I'm glad that you brought this up, man, because I I was I wasn't able to you know like I had heard of Melvin Van Peebles, but mm-hmm. like I like you know I knew more of Mario because it was yeah. just you know with with me being because like the thing is my my parents didn't really like watch black protection films like I seen Shaft like mm-hmm. I mean I think that was just you know one of those things that. Especially like living in the house with my dad, like you know, Shaft, Black Man, you know what I'm saying, Cop, because my dad mm-hmm. used to be in the like the heat of the night, which he he did an episode or two, or mm-hmm. um, I forget how much he, how much he actually did, but he's credited for some of the stuff of, of the heat of the night. So like yeah, like I seen I seen Shaft, but like, and later on I ended up seeing Superfly, but like mm-hmm. I didn't really see I didn't really see a lot. From that era. Oh man, I seen I seen coffee. I seen black mama, white mama, I seen all the shafts, I seen the Mac, I seen Superfly, I seen uh the Black Gestapo, I seen Blackula, I said I seen all the Blackula movies. Um but I see I've I done seen everything, man. I don't well I ain't gonna say everything, but I done seen a, a lot of black exploitation films. Um but yeah, that's just that's just like the that's just the household we grew up in. Like, um, a lot of them, a lot of them, I end up like catching myself because like mm-hmm. I I knew of you know what I'm saying the actors and actresses, but like some of them like Shaft, you know what I'm saying that was that was one of the ones that I've seen you know what I'm saying just chilling in the house before, and it wasn't like like my mom was just playing them or nothing like that, but. You know what I'm saying? I knew of those people because she would tell me stories about, you know what I'm saying, watching movies like that. My grandmother would talk about, you know what I'm saying, watching movies like that. So I always knew the significance of those movies. Um, now, when it comes to, like, the Mac, when it comes to Superfly, and when it comes to, you know what I'm saying, like, the Black Gestapo and all them, those are the ones I end up finding out on my own. Those are, you know what I'm saying, that, that's the ones that I was like, oh, this <laughs> it gets really in these streets. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that's, I mean, you know what I'm saying? After a while, though, I just, I was, you know what I'm saying, like, falling in love with those movies. Like, that's what, you know what I'm saying? That's when I knew how bad Pam Greer was in, in Coffee and Black Mama, White Mama. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And, um, but you got to credit, uh, you got to credit Quentin Tarantino for bringing her back with Foxy Brown, though. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know what I'm saying? So that was, that was, that was another dope thing, because I think that, I think I think the people were starting to uh, starting to slip on, her. and uh, he, yeah, they, he, she ain't losing no steps. Nah, not at all. 
Not at all. But then at the same time, like that movie was, you know what I'm saying? Like she and Samuel L. Jackson was leading that joint. Mm-hmm. So, you know. But it ain't the it ain't the same thing as, as them joints though, trust me. It was um nah. I'm trying to think, what's the other one? It's coffee, it's uh black mama, white mama, it's clear I think it's Cleopatra Jones. That yeah, was one Cleopatra of them. Jones. That yeah. was one of them. But I don't think that was her though. I think that might have been somebody else. But it's a it's a couple of them though. They got they got a whole bunch of them joints, man. If y'all ever get a chance to go check them out, if you're listening, yo, do your due diligence, man. Go back and watch them. Listen, you will not be disappointed. When I tell you just the just the fashion, the language, you know what I'm saying, the way that the movies are shot, like even going back and watching the old Dolomites is hilarious. Like I know um in the couple scenes in some of the movies, like they'll be talking, and you know how like in the midst of them talking, they zoom in when they're trying to do the serious face. Like you'll mm-hmm. see the you'll see the boom mic hovering over him still, and so you see the shadow <laughs> of the boom mic on him. Like, bro, it's, it's you could tell you could tell like they were being as professional as possible. They just didn't necessarily have the right funding for it. But man, yeah. listen, they are great movies, bro. Like nothing is nothing is ever ever gonna be as serious as when Priest told Eddie and Superfly that he wanted to get out the game. Man, he said what? What do you mean, man? He said, you got all you could ever want. He was like, <laughs> he said, man, you got the finest cars. You living in a high rise. You got all this cocaine and man, white bitches. <laughs> like, what do you mean, baby? Bro, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life, bro. Like, that's the best motivational speech ever, man. Them movies alone, bro, just... I don't know, bro. Just going, just watching them like now, especially now as an adult, where you can understand what's going on and you know what was going on during the times. Like to see that, you know what I'm saying? And the, a lot of the positivity that was in a lot of those films, too. Because, you know what I'm saying? It was either about getting out of a game or it was about, you know what I'm saying, trying to do right by the people. And, you know what I'm saying? It was a lot of unity in the movies, too. So to know that, you know what I'm saying, Melvin Van Pe- uh, Peoples had a lot to do with that and a lot of bringing them out and kind of creating that blueprint for them. Um, man, that's that's dope. Like, I mean, seriously, without him, it's a lot of stuff we wouldn't have today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then you also... I mean, you also have to look at look at look at his offspring, like mm-hmm. the shit that he was done that he done. I mean, he gave us, dude, he gave us um, New Jack City. Yep. Like we wouldn't have got we wouldn't have got New Jack City. Uh, Posse probably wouldn't have been with it when. Yep. Like, and 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 I think that both of the Van Peebles, man. Like I I don't think they because like you said, like Mario isn't a. A list actor, yeah. but I think that when it comes to people who, I think when it comes to people like Spike and like Denzel, like people mm-hmm. of like that age group, I think that they probably hold. Oh no, Mario yeah, at, that, to, at the time, no, regard. at the time, Mario Van Peebles was the man. Like, don't forget, he would do was in soap operas. Like he yeah. was, he was one of the most sought after. You know what I'm saying? Like. uh heartthrobs in, in the soap opera days. So for sure, like when I say people know who he is, but they don't know like 
they don't know why they know him. I mean, like people our age, you know what I'm saying? Like we know who Mario Van Peoples is, of course, because we do, you know what I'm saying, a, a movie pod and a television pod. Plus, that's all we do is watch movies and television. But it's a lot of people that know who he is and be like, man, I know a dude from somewhere. Like, who is he? Like, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. Like, as far as that recognition, like he's one of those guys um, where you could see him and you just be, you know what I'm saying? Like, you'll slightly be lost. Like, man, where do I know this dude from? Exactly. Like, dude, this dude, he did, in 1989, he did three episodes of uh, 21 Jump Street. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he did Posse. He did Panther. Um, It was a TV uh, TV movie called Gang in Blue. Like, now that might, but he, you know, he redid Badass. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was a no, that was a um, that was a documentary about him. Oh, okay, dude, he did he did three episodes of Law and Order, Mm -hmm. came back, he did one episode of Lost, and then even as of late, he did uh, we're talking about Mario, y'all. He did three Mm -hmm. episodes of the Wu Tang America Saga, Mm -hmm. Power Book, he did a Power Book Raising Canaan, he did the Salt and Pepper movie, which I didn't know he did that Salt and Pepper, I didn't even know it. Movie. Uh, he did one episode of Powell. He did uh, five episodes of Empire. So like he's st- you know he's st- still doing some shit, but mm-hmm. like uh, four episodes of Being Mary Jane. Oh, I didn't know he did one episode of Roots. When you remember how they redid Roots? Yeah, I didn't did you watch, watch that? that? I'm yeah, not a I fan of Roots. Didn't watch it. See, the thing is, like, I think the reason I watched it was because. I didn't remember the first one as much because mm-hmm. uh, when I watched the first one, I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of like rewatched it on uh, the seat. You know what I'm saying? The whole story of it or whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, man, like the, the whole, the whole Van Peebles, man, like, dude, you know, Mario got 108 credits acting, 50 mm-hmm. directing, 15 producing, 12 writing. Yeah. That is, that is, he nuts, definitely, man. he definitely stepped in his father's footsteps and, and left a hell of a legacy. That he did, man. He did. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought this up, man. Because I, I didn't, I didn't know this much about Melvin. I didn't know that this dude just picked up and just started a whole career, dude, mm-hmm. in, in the fucking Netherlands and learning French. That's like, the fact that he, the fact that he was overseas doing what he did. And then to come home and be able to do what he did and use that experience there to, you know what I'm saying, gain the traction that he did is amazing. And it's just a testament to, you know what I'm saying, to, to show people that, you know what I'm saying, as long as you put your best foot forward, man, it ain't really nothing you can't accomplish. Yeah. And if you don't want to depend on anybody else to do it, you do it yourself. And but this is the thing though that people also got to understand. Like for people that that are in our age group and younger, shit, man, you can make a movie right now without fucking iPhone. Yeah. I mean, shit, you got people doing it all the time. But to do this in 1970 and your movie come out in 1971, like mm-hmm. all the equipment that you need. Oh, you got to mm-hmm. be able to edit it. You know what I'm saying? You do your own music, like, and it ain't ain't no laptops. Ain't no yeah. like when you editing, you cutting film and gluing film together, and you know what I'm saying, trying to make sure the sound is 
you know what I'm saying, right on track and all that, like it's a real live thing. Ain't no ain't no laptops, ain't no, you know what I'm saying, uh ain't no editing uh softwares, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> ain't ain't no audacity at the time. It ain't none yeah. of that. You know I don't saying? think people understand how difficult it was for him to do that, but also yeah. how difficult it was to to be a credited writer mm-hmm. in a whole nother language that you that you took a couple of years to learn. Like, yeah. this dude was yeah. resilient, man. He was fucking was resilient, truth, man. So yeah, this this was uh, this was very informative, man. This it was fun learning more about Melvin Van Peoples, man. I'm gonna try for to. Sure. I'm gonna try to uh, cause I tried to find some of the movies you can't find. I tried to find um, Sweetback. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't really find it anywhere, man. Uh, streaming, so I'm gonna have to keep. Uh, I'm gonna have to keep looking, man. And if I have to, I still got a DVD player somewhere around here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. See if I can <laughs> see if I can Good find that bad boy. <laughs> see if I can find that bad boy on Amazon or something. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, man. Shout out! Shout out to the people's man. Um, Rest in peace. You know, we just lost him last year, late mm-hmm. last year. So, yep. you know, shout out, shout out to that, to that whole family, man. Cause, uh, ended up being two legends out of there. Yes, indeed, man. So, um, you ready to get to, uh, coming soon? Yes, sir. Coming soon. Coming soon. All right, man. So, um, y'all already know what it is, man. Coming up next episode, season four. I mean, season five, episode four of Snowfall. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get to it. Can't wait for it. Um, some interesting stuff is going to happen. Yeah. Some things might be revealed. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? Who knows? True, um, but I got to make a confession. What's up? I, I, I learned something. Uh, so, so, dancing, it just did a Interview with the Breakfast Club. Yeah. So you know, well, Angela Yee ended up feeling the way I feel about V. Mm-hmm. He shared a story that it was something oh, yeah. that they she didn't was show lawyer. us. She, she was, was his lawyer, lawyer. the other family yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard yeah. about that. And I'm like, damn, like, why y'all did? Why y'all didn't show this? It would make more sense if y'all would have showed it because I didn't know. I thought the family. Laid down and just gave him the bookstore. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that they went into a whole fucking lawsuit, and she was the one who represented him. Mm-hmm. So to find that information out, okay, now it makes a little bit more sense because now yeah. it's not that she's only been around for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. She's actually known him for a couple of years now. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, okay. I still, still think it's still a little something a little funny, but at least it's not a year and a half of time. Yeah. She knows everything, but you know this this episode it, from from the preview I saw it's gonna be action packed. You know yeah, what I'm it's yeah. gonna be action packed this time, and um, police is cracking down hard. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I, I saw dude, I saw the man. I saw the I saw I the high end detective. Yep. Yeah, I can't. I'm ready for them to off him already, man. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, listen, I, I really hope they don't do the, the the Irene thing that they did, man. Like, kill him off early. Get him out the way. I'm sick of dude. I don't like him. He make light-skinned dudes look bad, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like dude at all, bro. Hey, I think he going to be around for, for, the, for the season, man. I got a feeling. Yeah. It's going to be another I Irene mean, situation, man. Probably. But, yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's starting to crack down on the hood. So, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? 
It's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting episode coming up, man. This show is I just it just keeps getting better and better, yo. Like you don't really yeah, see yeah. this in a lot of shows. Like usually yeah. it'd be like the writing starts to fall off. Cause mm-hmm. I told you I was worried about season four mm-hmm. because John passed after season three. Yeah. So I was like, now I trust his judgment. Like um Walter Ah, uh, not is it Posey? Mosley, Walter Mosley mm-hmm. is one of one of the uh, the the writer dudes that that came up with John Singleton. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, he yeah. yeah he's one of the people because um, he ended up doing an interview with with Jamel Hill after John Singleton died. Mm-hmm. And so they t- they talked about their relationship and how he was you know continuing the writing and stuff yeah. on um, on Snowfall. So. He's doing a great job, man. So I'm glad he I remember him. his name. We got <clears throat> we got to shout him out, Walter Mosley. Yeah, he's mistaken. killing it. Yeah, he's doing he's doing a great job of carrying that mantle of of um, John Singleton. For sure, man. Um, listen, man. If you guys um like the episode, you know what I'm saying. If you enjoyed learning about the great Melvin Van Peebles, you know, what I'm saying hit us up on the socials, on IG and Twitter. At Viewing On Pod on Facebook at VA Pod Watch Group. Also, you can hit me up on Twitter at Scoops Bronson. Follow me on TikTok at Scoops Bronson TV. Yes, sir. Y'all can find me at s.foster8 on Instagram and Twitter at 28 Minutes or Less Pod. Uh, still rocking with the uh, Euphoria Euphoria episode. Look, y'all don't have time to watch it, so go watch, go listen to that season two. Uh, breakdown that I did of Euphoria on so all major platforms is episode 76. So I appreciate all the support on this, especially this podcast and that podcast. So I uh, appreciate everybody. And also, man, leave us some reviews, man. Let us know what you think. For sure, man. Hey, so you already know, man. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate it. We will see you or you will hear us on the next episode. Um, can't wait, man. Snowfall reviews be the joint. And with that being said, man, like I said, Hollywood, that's a wrap. Cut.